Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never Give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. What does it mean when Paul says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Because in Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13, Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. Amen. Listen, the Greek word translated fear in this context can equally mean reverence or respect because Paul uses the same phrase in 2 Corinthians 7.15 where he refers to Titus as being encouraged by the Corinthians' reception of him with fear and trembling, that is, with great humility and respect for his position as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because Paul himself came to the Corinthian church in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Amen. And he says as much in 1 Corinthians 2 verses 3. Mindful of the great and awesome nature of the work in which he was engaged. The sense in which we are to work out our salvation in fear and trembling is twofold, beloved. First, the Greek verb rendered work out means to continually work 
to bring something to completion or fruition. And we do this by actively pursuing obedience in the process of sanctification, which Paul explains further in the next chapter of Philippians. He describes himself as straining and pressing on toward the goal of Christ likeness. And that's Philippians 3 13 to 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, beloved, the trembling he experiences is the attitude of those who follow Christ. We are to have in pursuing this goal, which is what? A healthy fear of offending God, our Heavenly Father, through disobedience and an awe and respect for His majesty and holiness. Because trembling also referred to a shaking due to weakness. But this is a weakness of a higher purpose. One which brings us to a state of dependency on God. Obedience and submission to God. We revere and respect. That is our reasonable service. So say Romans 12, 1 through 2. And it brings great joy. Listen, Psalm 2.11 sums it up perfectly. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Amen. Beloved, we work out our salvation by going to the very source of our salvation, the Word of God, wherein we renew our hearts and minds coming into his presence with the spirit of reverence and awe. Amen. So, beloved, why are we talking about working out our salvation with fear and trembling? Because, simply put, before coming to Christ Jesus, hmm, we were all, every last single one of us, on our way straight to a burning hell as we await the final judgment. But glory be to God. Glory be to his mercy and grace because according to Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10, it is telling us, beloved, and his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago 
that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else but God still loved us with with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins. He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. Hallelujah. He raised us up with Christ the exalted one and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ, for by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation, for it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Amen. Oh, beloved, the way we were. Mm -mm -mm. This is why we strive daily to put off the world, put off the old sinful nature with all of its corruptible lusts and desires. Now that we are in Christ, we live for Christ. We now live obedient lives. Holy Spirit will convict and convince us that we are children of God 
who are going the wrong way. Beloved, I'm telling you what I know of him. When we stray, even in the least, he comes quickly to guide us back in the right direction. But we must have ears to hear. We cannot live our lives seared in conscience to his voice. Some are living wayward lives and their consciences have become so seared that they don't even hear from Holy Spirit that they are going in the wrong direction. And when righteous, holy, living teaching comes their way, these are they who claim you are self-righteous, you are judging, you are in fact a hypocrite because we all sin and you can't tell me you don't sin. Beloved, the vast difference is that if we do miss the mark, we hear immediately in our spirit from Holy Spirit, that's not the behavior that a child of God ought to be behaving. And we stop it immediately. We look over our lives to see Is there anything that I am doing that offends God? This is a daily undertaking. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This our our spiritual consciousness is so alert that we just feel it. It's like this unction, a knowing in our spirit that hmm. The Father is is not pleased with this. We need to turn and go the other way. But we must have ears to hear Holy Spirit. For otherwise, we will stay in a lifestyle that will disqualify us from the kingdom. And beloved, that is not the way we ought to go. Not at all. The ways of the world in which we once followed. That's why Romans 12.2 tells us, do not be conformed any longer, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. Beloved, 
we got to test everything so that we may have discernment. If the mind is not renewed to the things of God that is good in his sight, that is acceptable in his sight, and that is perfect in his sight, then we will be compromisers with this world. We will be conformed right back in it. Without spiritual discernment, we will, we will believe what the world believes, where it comes to love, life, and the afterlife. They believe on some universal level that everyone has good in them and that we will all make it to heaven because we, in fact, are genuinely good people. We know it's some evils out there, but by and large, we are are good people. But the Bible says no one is good, not even one. That's why we need a Savior, Jesus Christ. God's Word tells us exactly who we were before coming to Christ. We were all dead in our sins and trespasses. We were enemies of God. We broke His laws. We lived for self. We were selfish. We were liars. We were murderers. We were fornicators, adulterers, idolaters. We indulged in perverted sex, sex outside of marriage, sex with the same sex. It was an abomination in the sight of God. So even though we did, quote unquote, some good works, nonetheless, they were as filthy, bloody minstrel rags to holy God. We need Jesus Christ. So if you are new to the podcast and you are trying to find out about who this Jesus is, well, Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to this world to die in our place on a cross. He took the punishment that was rightly due to us sinners because we racked up and stacked up a huge sin debt that we could not have paid. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ. That's Romans 6.23. Upon death, if we don't repent and turn to God, that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ to have forgiveness 
of our past sins. We will die in our sins and go straight to hell. We will be eternally separated from God because the Bible says when Jesus Christ returns, he's coming back in judgment of the whole world. He's coming back to judge the inhabited world who rejected him. He already came as Savior. He died, was buried, and on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. He was completely satisfied that Jesus was the propitiation for our sins. And he raised him up and he is still alive today, sitting in heaven at the right hand of God, making intercessions for those who come to him. In the Bible, 1 John 2, 15 to 17 is telling us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it is from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Amen. The will of God is for all men everywhere to repent and come to his son, Jesus Christ. So that faith in Christ we shall be forgiven of our sins. And then, now that we are in Christ Jesus, Holy Spirit, but you must ask for the Holy Spirit. And once Holy Spirit indwells you, sanctification begins. Because, beloved, many are believers, but... They have not been sanctified. That's why it that's why it is so easy to claim Jesus Lord Lord but still live in willful sin. That is because you have not put on the new man. You are not walking in your robe of righteousness. We have we have now been called to righteousness. We live daily. We live lives on a daily basis, striving to please God, finding out through his word and from other sincere followers of Jesus how we live is all right in his word. He did not leave us clueless about how in Christ 
we now live and it is not any longer by the dictates of this world. This world, by and large, hates Jesus Christ. And we were a part of the world's system that opposes God. It applauds sin. The more sin you do, the more celebrity you become. You fit right in. And so when you leave from out of the world and you start speaking on righteousness, you start calling men and women and boys and girls to repentance, they are going to hate you. Even those who claim they are believers, you start tapping in on their idolatry and adultery and fornications and lions, lying and stealing and jealousies and back backbitingness, if that's a word, with all of their backbiting and backsliding, slandering, you're gonna get pushback. It's just like when you are sleeping and I mean sleeping real good, and someone comes and turn on the lights, you wanna kill the one who turned on the light. So when the light of Jesus appears, you're going to see a fight. People love their sins more than they do the light. And we were right there. Right there. But glory be to God for his word. He is telling us over in Colossians 2, 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. In other words, Don't let anyone capture you with pseudo-intellectual babble and high-sounding nonsense that opposes Jesus Christ. Jesus says for us to live clean and holy as we await his return. But the world says, live it up, eat, drink, be merry. That's how we were. That's how we were, beloved, but now. I love what Colossians 3, verses 1 to 3 is saying. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen. That's what happened to us, beloved. Coming to Christ, we have been crucified right along with him. Mm -hmm. We died with Christ Jesus. And we have been raised 
to new life. So we walk in the newness of this born again life. We do not live life as before. We now strive. We fight every single day against the pull of the world. This wicked, evil world ran by Satan wants to pull you and I back into its clutches through what? Television, movies, books, all of these ungodly celebrities who have sold their souls to Satan for riches, fame, renown. But some of us are still hanging on their words, still listening to their music, still watching their reality shows, still following after their ungodly fashions. That's not how we live, beloved. And if we somehow fall off into getting back into that life where Holy Spirit comes along and stops it. But you can't be so far gone that when he comes to tell you, perhaps through another messenger or just God's word, we don't grieve him by continuing to remain in a lifestyle. I'm talking about a lifestyle where your life is characterized by sin. Our lives in Christ must be characterized by righteousness. That's not sinless perfection. We know we can and have been tempted and missed the mark. But this is not our daily habitation to be missing marks every single day as if we have not been saved, salvaged from this present evil world. We must be holy. Not that holiness is found in ourselves, but because we have been made holy, well, this is how we live. Holy means simply to be separated from this world and consecrated unto God. That's why Jesus is tell Lord Jesus is telling us we must remain abiding in him. He is the vine, we are the branches. Apart from him, he says we can do nothing. That means without him, we cannot be righteous. We can't do any righteous works apart from him. And if you think you can, well, then that's self-righteousness. You believe 
all of your Bible study, church going, Sabbath keeping, tithing, you name it, all those religious activities and works. You believe because you do them, that's what makes you righteous. Well, beloved, that's the epitome of self-righteous, self-righteousness, because the Bible tells us our righteousness comes from God, because without him, hello, we will all be on a fast track straight to hell. Oh, beloved. Speaking of the vine, let's read that. This is John 15, right? Verses 1 to 27. Let's read it in the Amplified. Lord Jesus is saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, fruit of what, beloved? Fruit of repentance. Our lives should be reflective of our changed minds and us going in the opposite direction from the world to God, producing fruit in keeping with our born-again lives. Not that these works that we do earned our salvation because it hasn't. It's only by God's grace. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, then we are saved. And going forward, these good works come, they just come out of us. The fruit of the Spirit, it, it comes out. That's what happens when you are born again. You bear fruits of repentance and the fruits of the Spirit, which comes out of a changed life. So he was saying, every branch in him that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes. Why? So that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. Amen. You are already clean because of the word which I have given you, the teachings which I have discussed with you, remain in me and I will remain in you, just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit, producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. Jesus is telling us, without him, there will be no bearing of of good fruit, evidence of our faith. Because I know many say they believe in Jesus and the apostate false church teaches that all you have to do is believe. 
But what about obedience? What, what about producing this good fruit? You cannot tell the people that all they got to do is believe and they will be saved because where is the teaching on now that we are in Christ? We are expected to go, comma, and sin no more, striving every day to crucify the flesh, deny it, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus, and to no longer be lovers of the world, thank you, Holy Spirit, no longer believing that sin is the big-time fun that must be had by all. No. Where is the teaching to the people that how we still live in a world completely manipulated by Satan and we must know of his devices, his schemes, because they are so subtle. You would think ain't nothing wrong with it, but it will keep us out of heaven. Where is the teaching of 2 Timothy 2.19 because let us never get it twisted or mistaken. Christ Jesus knows his true sheep. 2 Timothy 2.19 tells us let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Beloved, we got to depart from a mindset this disposition, this characteristic of willful sinning. We got to come away from debauchery, lasciviousness. We got to come away from any and all things that according to the Bible will disqualify you All you got to do, beloved, is to get into the word of God. Study. Study out the New Testament. Paul, Peter, John, James, Jude, Jesus Christ tells us exactly what it is that if we continue to practice such things, we will perish. There will be no inheritance of the kingdom of God for the one who continuously, habitually, knowingly continue to practice sin. Because if you are continually practicing sin and then want to pull on grace as if grace allows you to stay in sin, you're going to perish. That's the bottom line. And I don't care how many false doctrines come down the pike that once you are saved, you ain't got nothing else to worry about because even your future sins have already been nailed to the cross. Okay, 
with that false teaching, you are telling the people they can abuse grace. They can, they can take it as a license to sin. They don't have to live holy. They don't have to live clean and pure lives. They can focus on the world and live it up because when you die, you're going to heaven. So you might as, might as well enjoy it while you can. Beloved, that's a doctrine of devils. We are called to live crucified lives. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 7, I believe verses 13 to 14, thereabouts, he talks about two gates that lead to two types of roads. You got that straight gate that lead to a narrow, a narrow path. And then you got that wide, that wide gate that leads to a broad road. Everybody is on that road. Why? Because it's so easy. It's like live and let live. I won't judge you. Don't judge me. We all in this together. Uh-uh. Not all of us. No, we are not. Maybe in times past, we were. But now that we heard the gospel, we are on the path that Jesus says it is hard to find. And that how few will find it. Because the masses want it easy. They want they want a easy, breezy, lemon squeezy Jesus that gets them. Mm-mm. Nope. Our Lord Jesus, who died a horrific, brutal, violent, bloody death. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails on two occasions before they nailed him to the cross. He told them then, he's telling us today, because he's still alive and his teachings are still going forth. But unless you repent, you too shall all likewise perish. That's the message. The message that goes forth is repentance, which is necessary for the forgiveness of your sins. How else are you going to receive the free gift of salvation if there be no changing of the mind first and then a turn in the direction of Christ to receive said free gift. And so can't you see why the devil and his servants come against the righteous teachings of repentance? They just want you to say, well, I believe in Christ. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. 
okay, but then once you get up from the floor from all of that emotionalism and shaking of the bishop, bishop's hand who who tells you, well, welcome to the family, but then you go right back home to what? Living lovers, you weed smoking, masturbation, pornography. You go right back to you stealing on the job, shoplifting, clubbing, vaping, raping, murdering. You go right back to it. And then Sunday rolls around, Wednesday midweek Bible study rolls around, and you're the first one at the church. But the moment you go back home, we can't live dual lives in Christ. Because although man can't see behind closed doors, but guess who can? Mm-hmm. The Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is not a game, beloved. Christ Jesus is saying over here in John 15, 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers and dies. And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified and honored by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my true disciples. Amen. Look at verse 9. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. The Lord is telling us again, remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you if you keep my commandments and obey my teaching. You will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Amen. Beloved, it is not complicated. It's not, it's, it's not complicated to now understand in Christ Jesus, we remain united, united with him in fellowship. We can't be, because 
I love, I love how the Holy Spirit gave it to me about what Jesus Christ says over there in Matthew 6, 24, because many are trying their level best to prove him wrong. He said, you cannot, can't, it, it can't be done. You can't serve him and the devil. You can't have this, this love for the world and all the money in it, all the fame, all the fortune, all the idolatry in it and still love him. He says, matter of fact, let's go to it. Yep. I love it when we can put our eyeballs on it. Let's go to Matthew 6. Not Matthew 6, 33, but Matthew 6, 24. Uh-huh. Let's come. Here we go. No one, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't. And guess what, beloved? Many, 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 many try to prove him wrong daily. Oh, I can stay a stripper, but I'm a Christian. Can't you see the cross I wear? Yes, I am a homosexual. And Jesus has called me to pastor over this church of inclusion. He loves us all. Love is love. We can love whoever we want because God loved us. Oh, beloved, that's straight from the devil. Listen, every single homosexual can come to Christ to be delivered and cleansed from that abomination. God only made two genders, two. Now, the world says, there's about probably right now over a hundred different types of genders you can be. And the world applauds that. You tell this abomination of a world that is under the sway of Satan, that there are only two genders, watch the mob scene come for you. You hold your ground. If you ever have an audience where this needs to be proclaimed, proclaim it. And I know many have lost jobs, careers, probably ministries, actually preaching the word of God and the world came for them. But do not be surprised by that, beloved. Our Lord says this world hated him. Don't be surprised because it's going to hate you too. Because at the end of the day, who are we trying to please? Are we trying to please holy God that has the power to throw both our body and soul into hell or this world 
who says, live and let live. Don't judge me and I won't judge you. What you do may not float my boat, but don't come over to my side of the lake because this is the boat I'm floating in. See, beloved, Jesus told us, right? When he returns, it shall be how it was in the days of Noah and Lot. Pick up your Bible and study and read about those days and see what all was going down in the days of Noah and Lot. And then look around this world today. Christ Jesus is on his way back. He's on his way back. When? We don't know. But we know because he gave us the signs of the time when he will return. And um, yeah, it's looking like it's close. It's close. This is why we must be found in Christ when he returns. So, when Paul is over here in Romans 12, 2, about not being conformed to the pattern of this world, he's saying, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Amen. Beloved, I know I gave that to you earlier, but it does bear repeating. How how will we know what is God's will? His word. In it, it tells us what he says is good. It tells us what he says is acceptable to him. It tells us what is perfect in his sight. It tells us. So the fact that we are still in the world, not being of it, because, yes, Holy Spirit, it is because of discernment. We know homosexuality is not pleasing to the Lord. We know stealing is not his perfect will. We know being unforgiving and just ungodly and unholy is not acceptable to him. It's not. So, what all Paul is saying in essence, do not let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Because the the Greek term for conform means to form according to a pattern or mold. The same term is found 
in only one other place in the New Testament, which is 1 Peter 1, 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Amen. I love it how the Amplified quotes First Peter. First Peter, I'm typing this in. First Peter 1, 14. The Amplified. Down in verse 14. Peter says, actually, if you bring it up to verse 13, because from, from verse 13 to, let's see, ooh, ooh, verse 20, verse 21, this here is the whole summary of today's podcast. If I could just put it in a nutshell, it is 1 Peter 1 starting in verse 13 to 21. So, prepare your minds. See? That's that's saying renew it. Prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert. Amen. And listen, Peter, by the Holy Spirit, is telling us this is how we live even in a world that is beckoning for your allegiance. Mm-hmm. It's, it's calling you back so subtly. And before you know it, you are right back in the saddle again. Our minds must be guarded. You got to guard that heart, that that spirit, that renewed, regenerated spirit that was born from above. It needs to be protected as we go about in this world that is under the sway and is completely manipulated by Satan. So we, yes, Holy Spirit, we are in a battle. We must put on the armor of light every single day. Satan wants your soul. And and what he has to offer, oh, it is so attractive and, and appealing. And it's like, it's okay. God understands. You know, as a single person, you got knees. It's okay for a little masturbation. It's okay to, to watch this porn because you are releasing. That way you don't you don't burn with passion. God understands. No, he doesn't. Mm-mm. That's perversion. That's uncleanness, and it will defile you, beloved. So back over here to 1 Peter 1. So prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober. In spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert. 
fix your hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Amen. I love it. See? See how the Father is is instructing us where our focus must be on. It is not on this world and what all they are doing in it. Yes, we live in it. We go to work. We go to school. We go here, there, and everywhere. Just bypassing all that temptation. That's how we live. But you got to be suited and booted when you go out into this world. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Gird your loins. Put on the belt of truth. Be ready to preach this gospel. Any and everywhere you go, that Holy Spirit wants you to speak, speak it. Don't be intimidated that, well, you know, they're not going to receive it. Well, they're not. But you know what? Some will, though. Mm-hmm. Some will. So, verse 14, live. Okay, live where? In this world that's ran by Satan. Nonetheless, we are different now because before that's how we were, but now we are different people. So live as obedient children of God. Do not be conformed. Don't be molded and fashioned once again by this world. No, Do not be conformed to the evil desires which governed you, which ruled over you, which had authority over you. Anytime your, your loins wanted to get it on, it did. Anytime that mouth wanted to spill lies, it did. Anytime these hands wanted to commit murder and stealing, it did. Anytime the feet wanted to go to places of ill repute, it did. No longer, beloved. Mm-mm. No longer. Do not be conformed to the evil desires which govern you in your ignorance before you knew the requirements and transforming power of the good news regarding salvation, but like the Holy One who called you. See? See? Like the Holy One who called you. Be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Be set apart from the world by your godly character and moral courage. You don't have to go along to get along because we live in this world. So what everybody down at the job is stealing pens? So what? So what everybody down 
at the five and dime store is stealing gumballs. So what? You don't steal and you don't lie and and you don't cover up for others' wrongdoings because many Christians are in jail being a scapegoat. Uh-uh. Nope, that said the Lord. Uh-uh. Don't do it. You and I be honest in all transactions of life. Be honest. Be of moral character and courage because how we were before oh I ain't no snitch I'm not dropping dime what so okay fine everybody go to jail everybody go to jail but I didn't do anything well tell us who did I ain't no snitch okay well you're going to jail that's how this world works, beloved. And many are sitting in prisons doing life 25, 30, 15 years because of I'm, I'm no snitch. Meanwhile, the person who actually did the crime cut a deal with the DA's office and now they out on the street. Meanwhile, you are doing every bit of your time because they're going to make example. You make make an example out of you so that when they ask somebody else, well, tell us, they're going to spill the beans. Okay. So, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Be set apart from the world by your godly character and moral courage. Because, verse 16, 1 Peter 1, it is written, You shall be holy, set apart, for I am holy. Amen. And this is what I love about verse 17. Okay. It's, it's like if you ever were clueless or deluded about naming the name of Christ and yet you still wake up and go to bed with your adulterous, it's not even your wife or your husband, with your adulterous partner and you call yourself <clears throat> a follower of Jesus Christ. And that how Jesus understands and how he wants you to be happy? No. He wants you to repent and come out of that sin. Whether it be adultery, homosexuality, idolatry, you name it. No, he does not want you stuck in it. And then die and go straight to hell. Lifting your eyes, trying to figure out, well, how did I get here? I said the sinner's prayer. I thought once I'm saved, I'm always saved. I know. I know. I'm telling you, it's like Holy Spirit gave me this, this imaginative thought that how one can explain to Jesus Christ on judgment explain to him the doctrine albeit false once saved always saved explain that to Jesus Christ 
when he gave us in his word to go and sin no more. And that if we continue to practice such things, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. How is that going to stack up against the false doctrine of once saved, I'm always saved? Because Satan deceived Eve with that same lie. No, you won't. You will not die. Okay. Because that false doctrine teaches you can disobey God. And nonetheless, you can live however you want. You will go to heaven because of a sinner's prayer. Because of Romans 10, 9 through 10, you are assured heaven. And you can't. You can't look at the arrogance. You can't lose your salvation. One one departed, deceived pastor taught. You can you can be an, an unbeliever, but because you said a sinner's prayer, you will still go to heaven. Some lady had wrote into his ministry. And he had broadcasted this letter on one of his shows. Because that's what it was, a show. But anywho, he, he read her letter because she had concerns. Because she apparently was a student of the word of God. But because, you know, these pastors, you know, they have all of this pseudo authority. So she wanted to run her concern about what she done already studied in the studied in the word of God about homosexuality, but because apparently she respected his wisdom, wisdom and his ministry that she wanted to get clearance because she, she you know, if the word says this, but she wanted to run this by the pastor. Apparently, her son was a homosexual that has come to Christ, but he's still practicing homosexuality. Will he still go to heaven? And instead of this departed pastor tell her, no, he must repent. The Bible is clear in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, among other sinful lifestyles, but no homosexuals will inherit God's kingdom because Paul was saying, do not be deceived. The unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom. So instead of telling her that and confirming what she already knew in her in her spirit to be the truth of God's word, he tells her as long as he says he is a Christian, as long as he said the sinner's prayer, no, he will not go to hell. He can stay in his homosexuality. And I was like, whoa, what? What? Oh, yeah, because he was a proponent of eternal security, wrote a whole book about it, and many books alluding to the fact that one can't lose their salvation. So 
How are we going to explain to Jesus on Judgment Day as a homosexual that I adhered to the writings of this uh, pastor who was pastoring for over 50 years, I presume. So he must know, he must have good standing with the Lord to be in the pulpit for that long, had many followers, wrote many books. But I can only imagine the Lord saying, but my word said, no homosexuals will inherit my kingdom. But Lord, so-and-so wrote this book. He told my mother, who was a faithful Christian. I know, and she's right here on, on my right side. But mama said, the pastor said, I, it, I, I'm good to go. But the Lord will say, what did I say? See, beloved, see how it's not going to be worth it? Pleasing the flesh and then end up in the lake of fire, it's not worth it. So back over here, and then I'm going to let y'all go. Back over here to 1 Peter 1, because we were looking at verse 17. If you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, see, see how all of us, all of our works will be judged. When we, as followers of Jesus Christ, having lived a faithful life until the end, a life of obedience, we will stand before him on judgment day too, but it will be at his judgment seat to receive rewards. And some will lose rewards, but like Paul says, they will be saved barely, having escaped barely the flames of fire. But some, no, not some, many will stand before him on judgment day at the great white throne judgment. Only to hear what were written in the books of their lives. And the Bible says, the Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 15, if your name, what it says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So if you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in reverent fear of him and with profound respect for him throughout the time of your stay on earth. For you know that you were not redeemed from your useless, spiritually unproductive way of life inherited by tradition from your forefathers with perishable things like silver and gold, but you were actually purchased with precious blood 
like that of a sacrificial lamb, unblemished and spotless, the priceless blood of Christ. For he was foreordained, foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared publicly in these last times for your sake, and through him you believe confidently in God, the Heavenly Father, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your so that your faith and hope are centered and rest in God. Amen. Verse 22, come on. Since by your obedience to the truth, you have purified yourselves for a sincere love of the believers. See that you love one another from the heart always unselfishly seeking the best for one another. Why? For you have been born again. That is, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose, not of seed, which is perishable, but from that which is imperishable and immortal. Amen. Oh, beloved. That's the good news. That's the good news. That we were sinners dead in sin and trespasses. Enemies of God. Enemies of the cross. But now. But now, beloved. How did, how did Paul, I mean, Peter just say it? That through the priceless, I love that, the priceless blood of Christ, we were actually purchased with precious blood, just like of a sacrificial lamb, unblemished and spotless. In Christ, we are the righteousness of God. Therefore, therefore, live like it. Amen. Amen. Oh, my heavenly Father, hallowed be thy precious, precious name. Your name is good, and it is to be feared. Thank you for salvation. We find salvation through the cross, Father. It is salvation is found in none other but Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for sanctifying us. Forgive us of any acts, any deeds we have done that is not pleasing in your sight. Forgive us. Give us, Father. Thank you for holiness. Thank you for godliness. Thank you for Holy Spirit. He is our teacher, our guide. He comes alongside of us, teaching us how to live holy 
for we have been commanded to live to to be holy as you are holy. Oh Lord Jesus Christ. It is our prayer that we be found worthy to stand in your presence, the Son of Man, to hear our names confessed before the Father and his angels. Thank you that you have prepared a place for us. You promised to come back for us and to receive us where you are. For where you are, we shall be also. Thank you for the kingdom. Thank you that you give us the strength and the grace to endure until the end. Faithfulness and obedience. That's our lives going forward in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for redemption. And we look forward to the last day where these bodies will be resurrected and joined with our spirit. And we shall be glorified and we shall enjoy the presence of the Father in the kingdom for all of eternity. Had it not been for you, Lord Jesus, I don't I don't even want to speak on the horrors of hell that we once faced. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Glory be to God who saved a wretch like me. Amen. All right, beloved, repent and believe. Obey Jesus Christ. Live lives like you have been saved. Live your life in gratitude that God has saved you. Amen. Amen. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Praise the living God. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye. Thank you.